We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Aitlin is intercepted by Sam Mills. Steve Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. Newton steps up, goes for the end zone. Olsen, touchdown! Brian Burns to the house! And it is caught for the touchdown by Moore. And in the foot race, McCaffrey to the end zone. Keep pounding on three! One, two, three! Keep pounding! Welcome back. It's another edition of the Roar Podcast right here on Blue Wire. Glad to have you back with us. John Hillis is my name. Billy Marshall is always with me. We're having a good time during this spring season talking about draft, free agency. Today, a very special guest, his first time on Blue Wire on the Roar Podcast, our good friend Jonathan M. Alexander. You can find him, of course, at the charlotteobserver.com. Doing some great work, you know, in terms of just following every aspect of this team from the business side with david tepper and rock hill but most importantly doing great work with your colleague ellis williams on the draft and the football side uh jonathan how you doing tonight man i'm good i appreciate the kind words uh, uh i'm doing good i'm glad to be on the show for the first time yeah man so it's an honor man like i said we billy and i've been doing this for a couple years and i don't know how we hadn't done this sooner let's start out with a conversation about these quarterbacks in this nfl draft of course today and throughout the week, you've got, you know, several, in fact, all of them are just walking the halls of Men's Street and getting a feel for what's going on with this operation. Malik Willis, Matt Corral, Kenny Pickett, among others, Sam Howell was there on Monday. Uh, you know, Desmond Ritter uh, is in the mix. Bailey Zappi as well. As you get a closer sense to the draft, which is, a you know, two weeks from Thursday here, are we still in a situation? The Carolina Panthers are very seriously considering a quarterback at number six. I know you've mentioned in one of your articles, trade back is very much on the table right now. What's the latest buzz from in the building? Yeah, I think, you know, they have to take quarterback serious um, because, you know, there's a chance that, you know, they may have to drop a quarterback. So, and when I say that, you know, I, I fully think that the Panthers uh, want to take the best available player, um, you know, in, it preferably be an offensive line. Like, and, and when I say that, I mean, like, if there's an offensive line, if there's a defensive lineman who's just a little bit better than the offensive lineman, 
and he's still kind of close to best available, they take the offensive lineman first. But I, I fully think that they're, they're trying to target the offensive line. I think all the quarterback stuff you hear, and you see so many national people talk about quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. I really do think um, that it's a smoke screen. But I do think they take it serious, though, because, you know, I, I mentioned that they have to. You know, there's a chance, and I like these guys in order as far as who I think the Panthers would choose. Um, you know, Evan Neal, Akeem Ekwanu, um, uh, Trayvon Walker, um, Charles mm-hmm. Cross. No, actually, Charles Cross before Trayvon Walker. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, but there's a small chance that all four of those guys come off the board. Um, and this is excluding Aiden Hutchinson because he's not going to be there at six. Um, right. But there's a small chance that all four of those guys come off the board, and then the Panthers are going to be – who are the Panthers going to be staring at? Yeah. They're going to be staring at Malik Willis, who, you know, probably has the highest upside. Yeah. And then they're going to want to trade back, but they have to have a trade back partner. And who's going to want to give up those picks? Just real so, quickly, too. And, you know, your, your uh-huh. colleague Joe Person from The Athletic was on the radio show with me on Fox Sports Update. We, we talked about that very item. It was just – drilling through our heads here we're trying to think okay you know what if we get to a scenario that is carolina and you know (laughs) you're at six but what's attractive about six this year i'm not trying to slight these prospects but this is not the quarterback class of 2020 or 2021 And, and by the time six comes around it might be that some of the higher blue chip guys that might be coveted from teams back in the mid teens are not willing to jump up and give max value what are your thoughts on that yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, as much as, you know, draft experts talk about how this is a weak draft class, you got to think a lot of teams probably think that as well. So there's less likeliness and, and there's not like a superstar player, like somebody has to trade up to get. So there could be less likeliness that somebody trades up unless somebody is just super desperate. Um, so, you know, that's going against uh, Carolina. And, and I was talking to people and like they bring that very point. Like you have to have somebody who wants to trade up with you. So that's the challenge that Carolina faces uh, there. And, you know, that, that that chance that all four of those guys that they really like come off the board is is a reality, too. Hey, Jay, thanks again for joining us. Do you think there are certain players uh, that they will not consider? Because there's been a lot of smoke uh, about Kayvon Thibodeau's off-field stuff. I don't know what he's done off the field uh, to warrant some of the criticism. But if a player like that did fall to them, or if someone else like it, I don't I don't think they'll consider a receiver. But if like I've heard talk about Jamison Williams going in the top ten, like are they like staying away from medical red flags or players like Thibodeau who might have some off-field concerns? that yeah reportedly yeah I, and i've heard that too you know that some I'm just talking to some people that some nfl coaches have um, concerns about Kayvon thibodeau and uh, whether how he'll take the coaching i think a lot of people really do like his ability so i don't think the pens will have um you know a problem taking him i think um you know i haven't heard of him as somebody who's high on their on their list um but you know if they feel like he's high on it, high on their board when it's all said and done, I don't think they'd have a problem taking him because he's a, he's a position that he feels a position to need as well. And that's edge rusher. So, you know, I, I, I really do think of a, if a really good guy is there um, at edge rusher offensive tackle, um, I think they'd take, I, I don't think they hesitate to take it unless they, you know, found a trade back partner. 
Jonathan M. Alexander is our guest, Charlotte Observer. You wrote a great piece here, three dream scenarios for the Panthers as they approach the 2022 draft. I got a kick out of this. We always dream up these scenarios. I mean, we do it every year. We bake them up, but a lot of thought put into this in terms of how this might go down. Other teams impact everything here in terms of decisions. So you got number one, Jacksonville. Uh, and obviously, you know, the only thing that seems to be certain about the first five picks, as you write, is the former defensive end, Aiden Hutchinson, will be off the board by the time the Panthers pick at six. So let's assume that happens. Number two, as you write, uh, let's imagine that the Lions believe Jared Goff is the long-term answer. And at that point, Trayvon Walker. Houston, you see, you might want to help rookie quarterback Davis Mills, Aquanu or Neal. So you've got one of the two off the board. And obviously with the Jets, probably going to go defense. I think Sauce Gardner personally. Giants, <laughs> and I want to ask about this. The Giants, we're in a, we're in a giant sandwich. <laughs> Five yeah. and seven. Uh, and, you know, it's not Dave Gettleman anymore, thankfully. He's rubbing it in. But now it's uh, Joe Shane and, and Brian Dayball. So it's a fascinating scenario that you could end up, and I always love playing this game during the draft, watching these guys fall. It happened last year with Justin Fields. When you get mm-hmm. to that spot, you're like, okay, our guy's yeah. here. For me, the guy's a Quanu or Neil, yeah. one of the two, because I, I not yeah. only from talking to a couple of scouts around the league and a guy from within the building there, they're high on those guys. They like cross a lot from the past pro side, and you and I have talked about that. But that's mm-hmm. a great scenario. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, they do need a quarterback. But if Neil or a Quanu are sitting there at six, I don't care what you guys think. I'm running that card, Rich Eisen style, to the podium, and I'm not turning yeah. back. Absolutely. And I think they think that way as well. And, you know, I think that I do because, you know, New York is such a the Giants are such a tough one. Like they could trade back if they wanted to or they could take one of the offensive tackles. And I think that's what scares Carolina. Yeah. Um, you know, ideally, they would really hope that somebody trades with, with the Giants for a quarterback and that pushes down one of those guys. And mm-hmm. th- that'd just be a, a dream scenario, you know, that Equanu or Neil. Uh, is there at six. Um, I, I really think that they hope, you know, just talking to people, they hope that that, that happens. Um, but the Giants are, are, are a real wild card in what they do. Um, I was talking to somebody at the owner's meeting, somebody who covers them, Pat Meyer, and he, he thinks they like they really like Charles Cross. Um, oh. So, yeah, I, I – and but that was, that was uh, a few weeks ago and things could have changed, but – their offensive um, line coach was at his pro day working him out. Yeah. So that could be an interesting one too. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I don't know, you know, I agree with you. Uh, you know, sauce Gardner, he, he, he seems like an ideal guy for the jets. I know a few people had them pegged at the offensive line. I don't think the jets will go offensive. Yeah, they've just picked Beckton. I mean, they have already given up on him at this point. I, I know he hasn't yeah. been great, but I have to think, I mean, I, I would hope that they would go defense there. You never know. They got a ton of picks there to uh to navigate through just one quick question before i pass it along to billy here our quick mm-hmm. kind of follow-up comment the one thing i'd heard from somebody around the league the, the sense from carolina is that every position at six is in play other than tight end running back and uh corner at this point and of course long snapper we would hope right so mm-hmm. it, it seems to me I, I mean after last year's debacle i mean what are you gonna do but i i think they end up being kind of a wild first few picks and and there is a sense from a few people, at least in the know, that, hey, don't bank on a quarterback. Maybe don't bank so much on on one of these tackles, even if one's available. Scott Fitter is wildly unpredictable. And, you know, trade back, I think, is the way to go. But if they don't, 
I mean, if you got an edge guy there, I mean, even Hamilton, I know they got their safeties, but look out. I mean, that's just kind of what I'm hearing. You get a sense that maybe they could dip outside of those groups and go, uh, you know, something on defense, maybe edge. You talked about that earlier. I, the only way I think that is if, like I said, those guys, Walker, Equanu, Neal, and Cross are all off the board. I think that's the only way they dip out. Like I heard, you know, from somebody that, yeah, we, we, you know, would consider Gardner, but that's less likely. Yeah. So I think, you know, they, that, that's, that's what they told me. So how many corners I do you, think, how many corners do you need Carolina? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like they, like they recognize how talented he is, but they don't yeah. really want to, you know, invest in the corner cause they got young guys. Yep. And so they don't need to. Uh, so I, yeah, I don't think they'll go corner. Um, I think that's probably like one position they wouldn't go. Um, but I really do think they're going to try to figure out a way to take either offensive line, edge rusher, or quarterback. And, and if they do quarterback, it's, I think it would most likely be in a tradeback scenario. I don't see six pick unless they just absolutely have to. Well, that's, that's a pretty good intel right there because it, there's been just a lot of smoke and, I don't know, like the draft is always and, and this head coach specifically, like he mm-hmm. does like to sign and draft players who played at Baylor and Temple, but he only dra- I don't even think he only the only Baylor player he drafted was Bravion Roy. He's, been, yeah, he's been pretty good so too. It's not like it's not like he's going out there signing and drafting all of his ex recruits. I mean, they said the same thing about Pete Carroll and yeah. um I forget the guy's name who uh Chip Kelly, that they're going to just sign. And I think uh, a couple, was it 2013, Doug Marone was a coach at Syracuse. Uh, Ryan Nassib was like this quarterback prospect that everyone was linking them to, and they drafted EJ Manuel instead. So, yeah, uh, I, I think, you know, and I, I was actually like looking at this because I was wondering if it was like a story, but, you know, I started looking at like Ron Rivera and um, uh, Sean McDermott, people I was familiar with. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. You know, the reason why they signed from Carolina players is because, coaches sign people that they're familiar with. So like, oh, you know, that makes sense. Now you shouldn't go overboard with that. Like you shouldn't, you know, overpay for somebody who is old news just because you're familiar with them. But Mm. it's a common thing in the NFL for coaches to sign people who they know and who they think could possibly, who they could bring, you know, the best out of. Um, Everyone's been sharing that picture of Matt Rule and Kenny Pickett. Oh, I'm so tired of seeing that picture. I swear. (laughs) You you wanna I wanna go on the record about this too. And, and you know, fans, you could come at me if if yes. I'm wrong on this. Yes. I will be shocked if the Panthers pick Kenny Pickett at six. I will be shocked. I want to put that up on the record so anybody can challenge me when it happens. You know, y'all can criticize me well, I, totally. I, I hope they come after you. They a few came after <laughs> me today. I don't know if you saw it, but they, they they some guy came after me today. He said I was down on Pickett. He's friends with Cam or something, Willis is. And I'm like, oh, I gosh. could give a, I could give a rat's ass who Cam's friends with. <laughs> I'm looking at the quarterbacks. Pickett is is like Dalton and Garoppolo rolled into one. He's pretty good, mm. and he's got good eyes for the field, and he's a Whipple guy. And, and you know, Willis can throw the ball fifty thousand miles, but he played in Liberty's bubble screen system. It's going to take a minute. So there's no agendas yeah. here. And Cam Newton's nowhere on my brain right now. Trust me, after the week <laughs> he's had, I've stayed out of that rodeo. I posted a couple oh, of memes, man. but yeah, you're like with Matt Rule, the pictures. Um, I will say this about that: the NFL ages you. Yeah, no. Just speaking to that. Uh, obviously, we, we've heard you say that Matt has tremendous. Uh, he has final control over the roster, and he's kind of like the point man for that. 
Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's, I mean, I think the entire league knows that he's on the hot seat, but what's the dynamics like with the front office? Are those guys also like, are they more like safe long-term do you think, or are they also kind of like an approved year? Oh, what I think, um, you know, just based on people I've talked to, I think those people affected, you know, view themselves as on the hot seat. Um, like they, I, I don't think that they've been told one way or the other, right? Because um, the well, owner, the owner, say, you can't know the nobody can find the owner unless there's a yeah. soccer game breaking out. That's the problem. Yeah, he's not one to say, "Hey, you're safe" or oh, "You're yeah. not safe." Like right. he's, uh, like he's, you know. Yeah, you're, you're gonna you're gonna feel that pressure at all times to perform. Mm. Um, so you know, I don't. I, I think that you know most people in that building feel like they're in the hot seat, regardless of of how long they've been there or not. Now, I do think um, you know David Tepper will probably likely um, give Scott Fitter a little more leeway, given that he's only been there two years. Yeah. Um, then he probably would Matt Rule, um, but. I think um, you know, the the general idea from people I've talked to is every year you're on the hot seat if you're not winning. No doubt. I mean, and that, uh, it would be disgusting. I'll just say the word disgusting if they fired Rule and they fired like Fitterer and Dan Morgan and all. Well, what they need to do if Rule does not succeed, and, and there's a good chance he won't. Maybe he does. And I've said it all along, you go win 11 games, city's singing your praises. That's how it works, J.A. You've been around this business a yeah. long time. You win, they love you. You lose, they're going to find everything wrong with you. You've also talked about the dynamics about final say, collaborative. And, and you know, it, I, I think you had mentioned earlier this offseason on our radio show on Fox Sports Upstate that, yeah, Matt does still have final say, but there's, like, less resistance now. There's more collaboration and with Scott mm-hmm. being, you know, in year two now. I, I just think it, it would be a huge mistake on Tepper's part, and he's made several on the football side already, if he did indeed fire Matt Rule, give Scott Fitter a, a, a thriving chance to at least choose his own head coach because that's how functional operations tend to work. That's just my soapbox there. I, I, it's not my billions, as I say. But but to that point, w- when you do look at sort of what they've built right now in terms of staffing, let's just face it, it it's, it's a college coach learning how to operate in the NFL. And to put a Band-Aid on it by bringing in Ben McAdoo, Steve Wilkes, keeping Al Holcomb. I like those moves. I really do. Matt Rule last year made it real clear, and Greg Cosell told us this, Billy, on our pod. Remember this, that Matt Rule wants to run the ball. He said this preseason before 2021. He's going to want to run the ball, and that obviously conflicted with Joe Brady. So, you know, you can talk all day you want about the staffing and the additions. I just think Matt's got to yield a little bit. From what I've been told, he doesn't go near Phil Snow. He He knows better. Phil gets to run his stuff. But offensively, does Matt need to maybe take a little bit of a step back and let his coordinators operate? Yeah, I think um, I think you saw Matt Rule probably, um, you know, if Michael manages the right term, I, th- I think you probably saw him do that uh, a lot more as they began to lose more. Um, you know, I think he really – I think it really depends on who he has faith in, you know, who he trusts most. I think he trusts right. Phil Snow tremendously. Oh, yeah. You know, I think he views – Phil Snow probably uh, somewhat as a mentor mm-hmm. um, if he's not said that already. So, you know, you know, he leaves Phil Snow along and, uh, alone and Phil Snow has done, done well that in, works. as far as improving. That, that yeah. dynamic works. I think with yeah. like McAdoo, to me, was a guy, it, the sense was from the beginning, 
when he said, you know, out of my comfort zone, that, that comment really caught my ear. And I think you might have asked that question. I can't remember in the presser. But when he said that right away, I was thinking McAdoo because he was one yeah. of the guys initially that Matt, you know, he's a Giants guy. Obviously, he's got the Giants crew with him. And I just think maybe it's like, OK, let me go back to my original feeling, which was bringing in a guy who did a pretty good job as an OC, who's an NFL guy that can help me run this thing. Although Billy and I both agree, Joe Brady's a bright guy. He's got a bright future. I just think Matt, at the end of the day, didn't feel like it was a good a good fit, and the results weren't there. But to your point, I think, uh, yeah, I think with with Phil, he he sees him like a father figure almost. It's interesting. It's a very strange staffing dynamics. I think they did a great job with the offensive line coach James Campen. And to that point, let me ask you about what they've done on the line. Adding, of course, Bradley Bozeman, Austin Corbett. I mean, these are guys that were pretty solid last year for their respective teams. Corbett made a really good block on that last drive for the Rams there. Solid guys. I mean, guys that can come in and and have a capacity to go the distance. I just think it's a much better play than what they did last year when, like, in in minute one of free agency, they they ran, they sprint out there, and they overpay Mm -hmm. for Elfline and Irving. What are your thoughts on the veterans they've added? Yeah, I thought that they did a, a good job, you know, signing those guys. I think Corbett and, and Bozeman are going to be good for them. And I think, you know, more than anything, really, you know, you know, just as you mentioned, now you have depth on that offensive line. And you got guys who, you know, probably should have been backups, who are now backups, and they have experience. Because injuries happen on the offensive line every year. So now you have guys who – you know, if they have to come in, at least they can be serviceable temporarily, right? Um, yep. But uh, I, I think the benefit right now of having those guys, Corbett, who's a proven, durable player, and Bozeman as well, um, guys who are starters, who are going to be a starter for almost any team in the league, um, there the, they help solidify your offensive line, and now you have guys who back – now you have depth there. So – I think what they did was good, and you have a, a veteran offensive line coach who many believe is one of the best. So, um, you know, I, I think they, they did a good job fixing the offense line. I think it's going to be a lot better than it was last year. Yeah, and just speaking to that, like, how did the dynamics change this offseason as far as, like, free agency? I know Scott Fitter kind of said that they added more um, they added more guys to the front office, like, obviously, Dan Morgan and a few other guys. So to me, it just it seemed a lot more competent and straightforward. Was that just a product of this was Fitter's first full off season? He had uh, he hired his guys all of May and July, and into the off season they were able to run whatever reports they were able to, and it just seemed like as soon as they pivoted out of the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes, the guys they signed it it just looks like guys that are, you know, not necessarily like elite players, but guys who can fill holes and do an admirable job. Yeah. I, I think they had like a plan A and plan B going into the Sean Watson situation. Like this is what we'll do uh, if we ever to land the Sean Watson, because this is how much money we have. If we can't sign the Sean Watson, then we can do this. Like for instance, signing Dante Jackson to the deal that they signed him. They were able to do that primarily because they, they weren't, they didn't have to contend with Deshaun Watson's uh, contract. So, you know, mm-hmm. I think they had plans for, for both ways. And, and I think in, in my opinion, considering everything surrounding Deshaun Watson and what they've been able to do, I think that it was probably for the best that, you know, he didn't sign in Carolina um, 
you know, for considering everything. So, you know, they were able to make some key signings and, and, and re-sign DJ Moore to that long-term deal. Because I think, you know, had they signed Deshaun Watson, that, that contract negotiation might have went into the next offseason. And then you would have had DJ Moore asking for even more money. Yeah. Um, yeah, so. <laughs> it's, uh, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, you and I have talked about this offseason. I mean, I, and since we last spoke, I mean, you've got Derek Carr making bank today. And uh, obviously, you know, Baker Mayfield is is out there telling, you know, some podcast that he feels betrayed or whatever and that he wants to play for Seattle. And then it, he wants to go to people's cubicles and yell at them at their offices. <laughs> Speaking of that, I mean, you're Ellis Williams. I saw his article today, your colleague from The, the Observer. Ellis uh, had a really interesting perspective on Baker Mayfield, you know, just sort of kind of weighing why it would make sense, why it wouldn't make sense. And you've heard some reporting here, you know, yourself included, leaning back into possibly the the free agent market or the trade market based on the fact that, hey, they went the Watson distance. They 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 went the Watson mile and they came up short. Nonetheless, they're sitting there with Sam, 18.9 million on the books. To me, I, I think if they go after Baker, which there was mutual disinterest at one point, according to Aaron Wilson, the Browns are going to have to eat at least half, if not all, that 18.9. He's get go. I still think Garoppolo, look out. I, I, I just, I got a gut feeling about that. That, mm-hmm. that maybe you know, the 49ers are very sly with how they do things. And you, know, you seem to like him right now. Trey Lance has got to play. And, you know, Jimmy G has got a market right now. And it's the Carolina Panthers. I really do believe that. Yeah. I, you know, I reported this uh, on Monday. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I do think one of the Panthers quarterbacks, um, when it's all is said and done, it's going to be either Jimmy Garoppolo or Baker Mayfield. I, I wrote in my story, like, you know, the reason why the Panthers had disinterest in, in Baker Mayfield and Jimmy Garoppolo, too, is because their contracts are not something that they would want to take on. Yeah. And and it was something they couldn't take on, too. And they were focused on Deshaun Watson. That's at the time. it. Right, but, right. But but the $26.9 million, $18.9 million from Baker Mayfield, like you don't, they didn't want to pay that type of contract and Sam Donald. Um, so, <laughs> so you know, th- that, that, that was where the disinterest was on the Panthers side. Yeah. But if that contract comes down, if, if a 49ers or the Browns agree to take on that money or say the Browns or the 49ers releases their quarterbacks and the 49ers would take on $7.5 million in debt money. If they, if they did do that, we're going to get whatever guaranteed he has. But if they did that, then they become a lot more attractive because then you can pay oh, yeah. um, that quarterback. And, and that's why it depends. They have $30 million in, in cap space, even though uh, only uh, 11 million is usable um, yeah, yeah, because they want to save the rest. You got to save for the uh, draft too. I mean, that's part of yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, that's why they've been opening up that cap space to give them room so they can, you know, possibly trade for a quarterback if that's what they want to do. And I think that's what they're going to end up doing. One of those two guys, um, you know, you look at, at Jimmy G, and I think it's reasonable to think that the Panthers would prefer Jimmy G over Baker Mayfield to have more success yep. um, in the NFL. Um, oh, now, I, I do know that the, the shoulder injury uh, does concern them and the fact that his timeline in August um, you know, he won't be ready until August is also a concern. Well, I would um, hope after what they did with Newton, the, the shoulder injury would be a concern. Yeah. Uh, um, yes. Top of mind, the, the hand too. I mean, there's, there's a couple of things going on with Jimmy. Um, yeah. I know Billy's wants to jump in for a minute, but just my thought on that is we had Mark Schofield 
on our podcast, Billy and I, and, and Sko's a great guy, works for, you know, Touchdown Wire USA Today, and played quarterback in college and kind of really gets it. And he was on my show on Fox, and, and he talked about just look out for Jimmy. And I think you echoed this a little bit because McAdoo's West Coast brand of football, short, intermediate type of throws, quick reads inside the numbers, processing, like the Bridgewater model, pretty much what you get there. And I think after mm-hmm. we saw Bridgewater, you know, two years ago, and then we we went through a little bit of Sam Darnold last year. Granted, the offensive line got worse and Christian was hurt. Um, I think you kind of take what Bridgewater did for granted. I know I gave him a hard time about that fumble in Green Bay, but there's something to be said for a guy that can come in and steady the ship. And Grapple is not perfect, but hey, look, he can come in and, and be a guy that can make them competitive playoff-wise. It's just weird, Jonathan. I don't know where they're at. Like it's it was sold early on as like a three four five year plan. It's a college coach. I mean, if you get Kenny Pickett, I, I don't think you're playoff bound in this division this year with Brady back. But maybe you are. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, it's going to be strange and, and and interesting is the better word to see. And I, I'm I'm fascinated by your comment that you really do think that it's still Baker and Jimmy in the mix because I have heard a little bit about Jimmy, but Baker still being around. And there's like a Gardner Minshew out there. Are there an, is there another wild card possibly? Gardner gets rumored. I, I don't know if that's going to happen or not. No, what, what I've been told is is Baker and Jimmy are the only ones they'd be interested in. I did gotcha. not hear um, Gardner. So, so you think either Baker or Jimmy would come via trade, or would they have to kind of wait till they're released? Yeah, I, they would just wait to see how. Um, well, either whether whichever situation arose, like if, if, if there was absolutely no interest from anybody, cause the 49ers right now are trying to trade Jimmy G like yeah, they are. Th- that, that makes the most cost efficient, um, you know, for them, uh, they could get something in return and, um, uh, and trade him without, you know, having to release him. Um, but if nobody says they want him, then they may end up having to release him. Yeah. Um, like Baker Mayfield, I just I haven't seen any suitors for Baker Mayfield. It seems like he's more likely to, I, I, they're going to have to figure out a way to unload him. So and Carolina can take their time on this, I and mean, there's no yeah. rush. Sam is Sam, but you still got him. Do you get any sense that anybody would do a swap for Sam? I, I don't. I don't think there are any takers. I don't know. I think for for somebody to be a taker on Sam, they would have to have an injury uh, to a quarterback. I think Sam Darnold is a is a is would be the, probably the best backup quarterback in the league. Uh, I, I don't see him as a starter. If you ask me, uh, I think he'd be a, a backup that you really want because if he's in the right situation, he can take you. Yeah. You know, like Trubisky's well. gone back down that path. Mitchell, who, you know, obviously had ups and downs with the bears. And I, I think that served him well in Buffalo. Yeah. I think you're right. I think there's a, you know, a market for, a guy like Sam, but uh, they made the commitment to to the fifth year, and I think they kind of felt like they had to with the timeline of that. Um, it'll be fascinating. Now, yeah. I do wonder if it's like a situation where they can trade Darnold for Garoppolo and San Francisco still saves like yep. eight, well, nine million dollars. That, that was the discussion about Kirk Cousins for a minute, and there was a talk, a rumor. It was not really substantiated. I, I think J.A. understands what I'm getting at here. You approach somebody at, at the Combine, and they kind of laughed at it, the Kirk Cousins at, to Carolina trade rumor? Oh, yeah. I talked to two people about <laughs> that, and they said that, like, that that conversation didn't happen. They were in a meeting, and they laughed at at the <laughs> report because it wasn't true. Yeah, <laughs> it's just somebody, said, somebody said, unless somebody talked, 
to them unauthorized. But yeah, well, no, nobody had nobody they, had talked to. They're a pretty tight operation over there. I don't, yeah. I don't think that would happen. Two different people who did not know I had talked to each other told me that. So wow, yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, when you do look at last year's draft, and I, I brought this up to Joe earlier, Joe Person, it's like it's the damn curse of the black cat because you're sixth overall. You're not in Herbert territory because he's gone, but that's where you would have been. And you don't have the, you know, preponderance of quarterbacks you did last year. JC Horn's a hell of a player. I'm excited. Mm -hmm. The fact still remains when this season starts, Justin Fields is going to be in a much better situation offensively with Matt Nagy off the books. And he's going to have a chance to really show if he can do this or not. Mac Jones was nowhere in their plans. It was like, look, you know, we had a fun time with the senior bowl. But the closer we got, you know, the source I had told me, don't, don't look for anything on Mac Jones at, at uh, where we're drafting right now tonight. So, and Mac to me is insulated. He, he's, you know, he's a fine player, but to me, Fields is the wild card to see if he can elevate. They're in a situation now at six where don't overthink this thing. Scott, I like him a lot, but he comes from the Pete Carroll world. And, and mm-hmm. you know, Pete, those guys, and you hear like guys like Pat Kerwin talk about this, who knew Pete very well, and, and Schneid and all those guys. I talked to Sam Farmer and Doug Farrar. Those guys knew the Seattle operation. They're wildly aggressive, and their draft track record hasn't been that great. I just think in this instance, it's time to take a deep breath and slow down a little bit. I mean, they tried you know, a lot of good things last year. I do like the agility they showed on drafting, moving back, still recouping picks. But to me, you know, J.A., I just think, you know, with, with, with Baker, with, with Jimmy, I mean, unless you're, it's equitable financially, and from a capital standpoint, quit giving up draft picks. Just stop it. Yeah, I agree. I don't think you should. I, I think the the draft, you know, I think they've given up too much draft capital as it is. Um, you know, I would, you know, you know, like you said earlier, it would definitely benefit them. And I think that's what they're doing is is keep keep milking it out. Let the price continue to go down. Yeah. Uh, for those guys and, and wait for the 49ers and the Browns to get desperate and then make them. Uh, you got rule and Baker Mayfield. This is a big 12 overload. I'm just like, <laughs> just it in the storyline, it'd be ridiculous. Obviously the owner has been put on the spotlight, you know, since the end of the season, no press conferences, which, you know, it's his right. He owns the team. He can do whatever he wants. Yeah. And I think he wrote a story about how he's been in contact with a South Carolina governor regarding the training facility that's been uh, placed on pause. What exactly is his kind of, I mean, from what you understand, what is kind of he doing like in the background and what kind of role has he been kind of undertaking these past like six months or so? Because obviously, I mean, they, they've struggled, but it's, it's not uncommon. There's a lot of teams that struggled. I mean, two of the teams that are picking, you know, I mean, they're five teams that are worse than them given yeah how the draft went out so it's not Mm -hmm. like uh it's uncommon but is there like a kind of a larger message to his silence or is it just he just doesn't want to talk you know i I think that's the thing right like you know nobody knows why he doesn't want to talk or or nobody is saying and even the people you ask people closest to him like they don't know why he doesn't want to talk um so I, i think that's the biggest mystery like um, you know, a lot of people have questions uh, about what's going on. And even in the Rock Hill stuff like that, that's driving people in Rock Hill and York County crazy. Oh, it's like, awful. Yeah, because they came in and hopefully I'll have some type of story coming soon. But, you know, they they went into, you know, talks with Tepper uh, 
sports and entertainment. And, you know, they, when they were trying to work out a different solution um, because the first agreement wasn't working and, and they thought that Tepper Sports and Entertainment were, were okay with their latest resolutions yeah. that Tepper paid the money and then they would give them tax credits. Um, and, you know, he hasn't said anything. So they, they are, are starting to get worried that he's going to up and leave. And, and that would be detrimental to that Rock Hill community. Um, yeah, it would be. I mean, it's, it, would be, yeah. it would be awful. I mean, I, it just, you don't like to see this, okay, because there was a lot of excitement about it when he first came here, 2018. He's got soccer he's loving right now. Concerts going on. It's Tepper Sports Entertainment, as you know. So to me, it's a total dynamic shift from Richardson. Good or bad, whatever you thought of Jerry. And Jerry had some flaws, man. He did. But Jerry was consistently quiet. <laughs> he never talked. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To, and, and a lot of people got pissed at that, too. And Jerry had a side of him that wasn't pleasant. But he doesn't have to do anything to Billy's point. He owns the team. Pat Kerwin said something a long time ago. Pat's a really good analyst on SiriusXM, and he worked for the Hess family there in New York years ago with Bill Parcells. And he says, look, owners need time to learn how to own. And you've seen this with like the Pagulas and with the Haslam. But new owners, when they come in, typically lately their first hires haven't really been that great. So Tepper's a very proud guy. He's not afraid to go on CNBC, obviously. But I I think maybe what happened here, just and it's not that important, it's just kind of fun to talk about, is the messaging was so bad last year from from the coach at times. I don't know, but Fitter is kind of the voice of the franchise right now. Fitz out there at every presser. So we'll see. I don't know. Like I said, it's all about winning. I'm just concerned a little bit. There's not a precedence for a guy other than Jimmy Johnson, really, that had limited to no experience in the NFL that comes in and really just blossoms and get it. It was a risky move, and we'll see if it pays off. Uh, Jonathan, you've been too kind with your time, man. I know you got to run. Uh, CharlotteObserver.com, right? That's where we can find your work? Correct. CharlotteObserver.com. Right so, on. yeah, draft coverage, uh, hopefully some Rock Hill stuff in the works, hopefully some good features, so. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. This is fun. Oh, yeah, it's any time, man. We just, uh, like I told you, we just, we're, we're laid back. We we cleaned it up for you a little bit today, I think. We try to keep it professional. <laughs> we always love your work, man. Anytime you want to come on, just give us a call. It's Jonathan Alexander, Charlotte Observer, right here on Blue Wire. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.